Welcome to a brand new episode of Tips with Salsa. Talk, tips, and tales from the nonprofit community. I'm Ben Lyon with Salsa Labs and welcome back. On today's episode, Wendy Levine from Salsa is talking with a good friend of ours, Ryan Costello at Member Suites. Ryan has deep experience on a topic I think a lot of folks are interested in these days and something I think we've all missed over the last year plus, and that would be events. So Wendy, uh, why don't you set us up a little bit? You know, what do we expect in this conversation? Yeah, I we wanted to talk to Ryan because he has such uh, a depth of knowledge in the event space. And as everyone knows, you know, events have changed a lot. You know, that's an understatement, right? Over the past year, year and a half. And we talk with Ryan about the change in in-person events to virtual events and going back a little bit to in-person events, what technology is doing and how nonprofit organizations are making the best use of technology and what they're seeing out there this year. Well, that's great. I know he knows about all there is to know when it comes to events, producing events. Why don't we go ahead and give it a listen? Welcome to Tips with Salsa. I'm Wendy Levine with Salsa Labs. We are joined today by Ryan Costello, the Chief Strategy Officer with Member Suite. Member Suite provides association management software and event technology solutions for nonprofit organizations. Our plan today is to discuss virtual and hybrid event experiences. And I thought, Ryan, we could start off by just having you explain a little bit about what the Chief Strategy Officer does for Member Suite and um, what Member Suite does. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Wendy. And uh, hello, everybody from uh, my my garage here in Los Angeles. Um, yeah. So Chief Strategy Officer, um, fundamentally, I think that role um, directionally points the company to set, it, to set it up for success. So that means strategically what things we're, we focus on, what we're going to build, what we're not going to build, how we're going to grow. Um, I take I lean in a lot um, strategically on our our culture core values as well. So kind of really setting, I guess setting the tone and, and direction for the whole company is really what I would maybe quickly summarize it as. From an org structure standpoint, Wendy, the uh, the marketing team rolls up to me, um, which kind of makes sense because that's really where the voice and the brand and the image comes from. Um, and then also now recently the product team does as well. So that's the team that prioritizes what we build and, and kind of how we, how we kind of tackle the big beast of, of engineering when, when you're a software company. So that's what I, that's what I do. I'm coming into the business, um, with lots of experience in event technology and engagement and experience. Those are big words for me. Um, I founded, I co-founded the company called event farm, which now is a part of the member suite family. We became a part of the member suite family. July 2019. Um, so newer to the association space, but very, very not new to the engagement in event space. Great. And it was events we wanted to talk about today. So, you know, the, the whole uh, event landscape has changed so much over the last year, of course. Maybe we could talk for a minute just about how virtual events are allowing, you know, these organizations to really engage with their, their members. Yeah, I, I think what you said was that it changed a lot. I think that's, you know, almost an understatement. Last year was kind of one of the, I, I would say one of the times in an industry that's like total disruption is, and so certain you know, industries have this, you know, in the course of, of time, but this one is like game changing. So it not only changed 
how people execute, but it changed the landscape on who's a player, what technologies are coming, what invest, what people are investing in. It changed everything. It's how we look look at it, look at bringing humans together. Um, so I can't understate how much it changed. Um, specifically, what, what you're talking about, I think, is you know how associations are adapting to that change. Um, when you take away, you know, events are, I think, what. Maybe you know this better than I do, Wendy. Typically, sixty to seventy percent. I mean, I think it's the biggest chunk of non-dues revenue that an association has. Is that what you would you would agree? I believe so. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It depends on your organization. If you do certification, it, it, it but does. Think, but the large member organizations, for sure. Right. So if you talk yeah. about all of a sudden that is just getting ripped out from underneath you, that revenue is at risk, in which it was for the last twelve to fourteen months for every association. That's game changing. I mean, if I told you that, you know, 67% of your revenue is going away, you know, overnight and you have no plan to, you know, and you're not ready to react to that. I mean, that's, that's dramatic. So the associations got hit extra hard with this challenge um, and they scrambled like the rest of us to figure out what, what to do. And I think associations, what associations are fun, I believe what associations fundamentally are doing is they bring humans together. They connect us through a common, you know, thing an interest. And it becomes a community. You hear a lot of these words, but they're fundamentally connecting people. And when you bring people together in real life, it's really impactful. People, humans tend to like other humans and tend to get inspired by meeting folks and networking and, and learning and, and growing their careers. And so um, I think what associations really were craving and needing was a replacement for that in the virtual space. And it's not so easy, it turns out. You can't, right, Wendy, you can't just turn on a Zoom call all the, all the time and call and say, go mingle. <laughs> uh, no, you can't. So what kinds of things do you do to help people feel like they're connecting? Yeah. So for us, you know, at Member Suite and, and Event Farm, I'm just a big, I, I use the word engagement and experience. I typically don't even use the word event a lot. I, I call it an experience because I think when an, when an event becomes an experience, you've really graduated to that next level. Um, so I think of, you know, when I look at the technologies out there and I was doing this back in March last year, March, you know, um, looking at what is an, what is an experience made of? And I even went further back and said, forget technology for a second. I broke it down to a fundamental pieces. What do I value as an attendee or an event producer and say, my attendees left and said, that was different, right? That was, wow, that really changed me. And I thought about some of the philosophical or, or fundamental things that an event is made up of. And. One, a couple of things I, I, I landed on was um, there's this idea of autonomy in events, meaning I go to an event and I get to I get to almost choose what I how I interact with the event. I, I go to certain sessions. I choose to run into Wendy and then go grab a coffee or a drink. Right. I, I, I networking is related here, but I get this sense of like I make my own outcome. I'm using this community and I get to navigate it and I get to fundamentally have my own autonomy around the experience. I, I highlight that because that's a really interesting one when you compare it to something that happens like in Zoom, where it's fantastic at delivering content, but is it fantastic at letting me choose where I go? No, it's really like watching television Zoom, right? I, I consume the speaker and I sit there as one little bobblehead on the, the grid. Maybe I can chat with you in the side window, Wendy, but I really don't have autonomy. I'm stuck in here. Again, I, I equate it to like watching television. And so when I started thinking about experience, I think about virtual technology, I was like, hmm, that seems to be going to be a challenge for the events industry. That was one thing. Um, another one I, I, I think about um, is, is this idea of, of being actively engaged or present. Again, if you think about Zoom, am I able to let people know that I'm present? A lot of times people don't put their cameras on. I'm just really listening. I'm consuming in the background. So this idea of presence 
this idea of like, uh, how do I, you know, in, in real life, you get to see me standing there and talking to Joe and you're like, wow, that guy's really here. Look, he's engaged. And, and you get the sense of a crowd. You get the sense of there's a big group of people that are all present. And then, you know, then there's this energy that gets created at an event. Well, do you get that in, in, in a, not, not bashing Zoom right now, but I'm talking about some of the challenges that events struggled with in, in, in the last 12 months is this idea of how can you give people the sense of autonomy and the ability to show their presence at an event. So these are interesting nuggets that, and there are a couple more, but these are the ones, Wendy, that I started to think about. And so for us, when I looked at technologies, I wanted to really address those. And so we ended up partnering with an organization that does 3D avatar-based solutions, um, which sounds crazy. I'm not a gamer. I wasn't into avatars, but I was looking for things that could give attendees the ability to move around, to talk to who they wanted to, to create multiple conversations at the same time. All these things that I think were going to that autonomy and presence, presence thing. Um, so now, 12 months later, 14 months later, there are a lot of different flavors of virtual and, 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 and hybrid technologies out there. And you're seeing where they all service the market differently. But for me, when I, when I think about experience and I think about the fundamental things that make that up you know, in real life, I think those are the things that gravitated um, towards me when I was looking at virtual solutions. No, that makes a lot of sense. I was I, I was looking, I think, at a, a little video of your product, and it was really cool because you could you could choose what to do. I could walk into the event space, I could walk into the vendor area, um, and those kinds of things you don't see um, very often. I haven't seen very often in events that we've attended. So, uh, so yeah, I thought that was was pretty cool. What one of the things that comes to mind? We just had a webinar last week where we talked to our clients about moving their virtual events either entirely or partially into back into the in-person space and how to handle that and what to do. Um, and there were a lot of questions around if you've got a hybrid event where some people are attending in person and some people are attending virtually, do you want to try to create a space where they can communicate with each other? And if so, how do you encourage that or how do you do that? Yeah, this is, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you guys are talking about it because everyone's talking about it because no one's really figured this out, I don't, I don't think. Um, I think the idea that event organizers like is like, I have this big community and now we've got two different venues, as I call it. We've got this online venue and we've got this in real life venue, but we're all part of the same thing. And I really want to treat that group as the same. The challenge is they're going to different venues. So imagine if in real life you had two different venues, how would you connect these people? It would, it would be a fundamental challenge. So this isn't like... You know, I don't think this is like shocking for people to realize this is a challenge. Um, I have thought a lot about it. I've talked to a lot of agencies and technologists. I do not believe, Wendy, there's some magic solution right now to have a, uh, the in real life people connect and be really feel emotionally connected to that online community. I don't see it yet. Some people claim an attendee app can do that. We offer one. Um, to be honest with you, I don't think that solves the problem. I don't think I don't think the person in real life is going to be like, I wonder where Wendy is online and going to chat with her, you know. Or a plus, I mean, if you're attending an in-person event and it may be the first in-person event you're attending in, you know, a year and a half, I don't know how much effort you're going to make to go to the kiosk or your phone and connect with someone who's attending virtually. You're going to want to talk to people. Right, right. Um, finally, you're letting me, finally, you're letting me be with people. And now I'm going to go to my app. That sounds crazy. The one thing that was interesting, and I've talked about this in previous events, have you seen, I'm, I'm assuming you've seen what the, the, the sports teams have done, the NBA, um, you know, the, where, where they put fans. Yes on cameras around a, a court, right? As an example, and everyone's on, those people are all on Zoom or Zoom-like things. And, and so the, the athletes are getting the sense that people are watching. 
So I think that's what it's accomplishing. But I actually asked, asked the question of a, of a panel that I, I hosted once and I, or, you know, several months ago. And I said, you know, do you think that's going to happen in events? Do you think we're going to walk into the entrance area of an event to check in and the walls are going to be lined with projectors that are going to be the other people that are remotely? And then am I going to walk up to the wall and touch Wendy? And now we're talking. It could happen. Uh, it, it's, it's, you know, it sounds weird, right? But like, I don't know if I like that idea or not. <laughs> I don't either. I, I don't know. I don't either. I mean, I, I find that more approachable than me taking out my phone, right? Wendy up, you know, heads down to your point, not feeling heads up engagement. You know, I, again, I don't even know the technical practicality of how to do that and how people move, how, how do the virtual people move throughout a venue on their walls. But I thought that was interesting and I haven't seen it in real life yet. So I don't think we figured this out um, just yet. So I think what people are defaulting to, Wendy, is they're actually treating them a little bit differently. They're saying, here's my online group. Here's my in real life group. And we're just going to have to realize that there's going to have to be tweaks in the program based on this audience and that audience. Um, the good news, though, Wendy, is that this is allowing broader, bigger audiences. So you think about you know, even pre-COVID, if you had a group of people, you know, you had a thousand person event and you had probably 500 people that might go that ended up not going because they couldn't afford it. They couldn't take the three days away from home or work or whatever. Now those people are participating. Uh, we're definitely seeing that. Many of our clients are are having uh, larger attendance, raising more money with their virtual events. Not all of them, but quite a number of them than, you know, with the in-person events they've done in the past. So definitely. Yeah, so we may we may lose that you know, we may lose some of the connective tissue of the audience between these two groups, but we do get a bigger audience in in aggregate, which allows more dollars. So I think it's going to increase production uh, requirements and creativity on the event organizer. Unfortunately, they're going to have to start. There's going to be a digital team. There's going to be an in-person team, and they're both going to have to like have their own. So it's going to it, it may increase cost, but again, we, we're we're increasing top line. So hopefully, we're increasing profit as the net aggregate, and we're increasing reach. Right. So if we're talking about associations that want new members or bigger reach, you know, for sponsors and exhibitors, I think it could be a net positive here, even though it's a challenge. I, I think so, too. Yeah, absolutely. So, Ryan, you're talking about, um, you know, uh, profit and bringing people in the door. Um, what about sponsors? Um, how how can virtual events engage with sponsors to a level that, you know, they feel they're getting the same value for their sponsorship that they would if they're walking the floor, shaking hands, talking to people. Yeah. So I think um, what we've landed on as a solution, well, let's talk about some of the pain points first, and then we can talk about what, what we've come up with. Um, to your exact point, the, the idea of getting people, you know, walking up, literally, you look at the word you just used, walking up, that idea of movement and autonomy, letting people go explore a new vendor because I'm curious in what you have to offer and how it can help me. Um, that's really tough right now with a lot of the virtual solutions when it's just like a logo on the corner and you can click on it and there's like maybe a chat window or like a link to someone's deck, right? That's not at all that same experience where it's, hey, Bob, tell me about your company and here's what I do. And, you know, that casualness of it, that exploring, that be curious part of an event just goes away because now it's very like almost transactional. It's like if I click this thing, you know, um, it's just boring and, 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 you know, you're almost afraid to click it because you don't know what's behind that. And right? like, what does it mean to do as an attendee? So I think you're, I think sponsors are getting really wary of value uh, and virtual stuff. Now the stuff that we've done on the, with the avatar, we have booths, we have an expo hall and it exactly like it replicates that exact behavior. I mean, you have to take your avatars and Henny and walk up to the booth and there is 
a, a human behind the avatar that you're talking to that is a representative of the company. And they can talk to them there. They can exchange contact information. They can pull up a PowerPoint deck and, you know, and show them, you know, or a video of the, of the, of the soft, of the, their products and services. So I think we've tried to really replicate that human experience as best we can um, with avatars. So we've seen good value there. Like I'll give you an example, Wendy, our user conference uh, where we are, you know, a lot of it's funded, it's funded through attendees buying uh, registrations, but it's also, a, it's funded by our partners um, and, and exhibitors and sponsors. And we increased revenue year over year from in real life to virtually. So um, profit too, but we increased re sponsor revenue not just overall revenue. So it wasn't just the audience, the audience size didn't actually grow in this event because our users are our users, right? It wasn't, we, we, we didn't open this up to prospects. So what, that's really interesting to me that we were somehow able to convey that there was enough value here. The last piece of the puzzle one is gonna be the data. You know, ultimately these virtual technologies should be able to get us more data on attendees um, because you're interacting with touch points, where they go, what they're interested in, what they're clicking on. It's way easier to track all the stuff that you do in a single digital solution. So if I'm smart, I got to be careful here because attendees don't want to be spied on and they don't want their data going places. But if we are clear up front how we're going to use this data and how it can help our exhibitors and sponsors, there's a lot of value here. That's interesting. I know retail spaces use technology that track, you know, the paths people take and what they're looking at and what they see. It's almost the same kind of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, so I mean, we do it and we did it in real life pre-COVID, but it's a little more laborious. Like, so just think about basic things. Let's say I have a, a two-day conference and there are you know twenty-five speaking sessions. So monitoring where every single person went and knows that is actually laborious. You could have somebody at every door. You got to check somebody in, right? Not all conferences do it. They just like let people come grab a seat and do that. So if you don't do that, you're missing an opportunity in real life. But like in virtual, that's super easy. You get a log of everybody that entered the breakout room with all these technologies very, very quickly. So now with a click of a button, I can say that, you know, hey, exhibitor or hey, panelist who represents a sponsor. Here are the 27 people that sat in your in, you know, in your session immediately provide that that data and insight. And maybe then I attach, you know, more profile information. And of that 27 people, you know, X are you work for this size organization or company. And, and right. So it's very, very quick to be able to get data of value back to sponsors and exhibitors that would have taken us a lot more work in real life. That makes a lot of sense. What, what's your sort of vision for where we're gonna be in a year or two years or even five years with virtual events and hybrid events? I, I can't imagine that in six months we're gonna be doing, everyone's gonna be doing exactly what they were doing you know, two years ago. Yeah, I don't think um, so, yeah. I think there are a couple of big things to think about. One, I think people have realized in the last 12 months that you can actually do this virtually. You can have successful programs. You can make money. Um, it's not going to fully replace in real life. I hope I've made my career on in real life events. I'm, I crave them. I want to see people. So I hope those come back in some capacity and they will look, it's already happening. Um, but I think people have started to realize that there are, there are compelling solutions out there that can actually do some semblance of this. And so I think, it's not going to go away because people realize there are some significant benefits to it. We talked about it already reach um, and, and scalability of cost. Um, do I think it's going to replace all in-person events? Nope, I do not. But I do think it's here to stay. That's because it just conceptually and business business wise makes sense. That's number one. Number two, the insane amount of investment that's come into this into this market right now. I think about over a billion dollars has hit the virtual event space. So you're going to get so not only do we have 
there's a lot of time that that billion dollars is going to take to spend. So even if all these companies fail, it's going to take them three or five years to fail. <laughs> so this, this is going to be around for a while, is my point. The, the more positive side of that is innovation's coming. So I think this is going to continue to get better and better and better. And maybe there'll be a solution for what we talked about earlier of connecting these audiences. And so I just think this was that, that real pivotal point in our industry, in the events industry, where it's like a shock to the system. And it's, it's just going to change. So I don't think all, in real life is going to replace all virtual. I actually hope, to be honest with you, Wendy, I hope this just increases more events. We're going to get more online. All the stuff we were doing in real life is going to still come back on. And so now we've what maybe doubled how many events are happening is kind of my hope, uh, my selfish hope, just, you know, as someone that's in the industry. Um, and if it's just driving business, you know. I'm hoping it makes events more accessible to people that might not have attended them in the past, too. You know, as more people can access the events virtually. I think that's absolutely going to happen. And, and we're already seeing that. Um, in the short term, you hear a lot of predictions about events will be smaller. Um, you're hearing, you know, that's a pretty common prediction. I go back and forth on that. I think, you know, um, I've been shocked. I, I, I've written about this, you know, pre-vaccine, you know, right when the vaccine was coming out and it didn't hit most people. I wrote a, a blog post about how, okay, it's here. We all been waiting for it and the event and it's supposed to snap our fingers in the events industry and be like, okay, game on, everybody's back. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. I'm not sure I'm emotionally ready to come back and just start hugging everybody at events. Um, and so there's this fear that was me pre vaccine, me post vaccine. I got that second shot on my arm and I was like, I mean, between us, I was like, am I Superman? Let's go. Get me on a plane. I'm ready to go. You know, I was like, so I'm with you on that one. Right. I'm going to get back. You know, I, I, you know, I told them, let's go to dinner tonight. Let's go. Like, let's just, let's let. And so I think there's a lot of that going on in the, in the country, in the world right now, where people are like, maybe we are more ready and we're quicker to bounce back than we think. So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm saying two set, two things at the same time. I, I believe there's a big group of people that are still going to just be like struggling to get back to this and just snap our fingers to be normal. I also completely recognize there are people that are ready to go to Coachella tomorrow and, and don't care. You know, I don't know if I'm quite ready for that yet. Right. And I don't know either, but I think there are people are that that are, yeah. you know. Um, and so I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the industry. I, I think you'll see some events push themselves, you know, far and quick, and some will just, you know, scale back and try to play it safe. Really depends on your crowd, your audience, your demographic, your comfort level. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see big events come back just as much as small events. I wouldn't surprise either direction. Yeah, there. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Last question. Um, is there um, technology that you see coming or changes that aren't here yet that you anticipate may um, further, you know, kind of take us to the next level with virtual events or, or in-person events? Yeah, a couple, well, there's a couple of fundamental infrastructure, like kind of like just technological advances, forget the events industry, like 5G is a big thing that I think, you know, if you can get more throughput on our devices quicker, download more data faster, it opens up things, especially in the virtual events, because we're trying to do a lot. We're trying to do audio, visual, we're trying to do video, we're trying to do connections, we're trying to be smart, we're sometimes we're trying to render graphics. That's a lot, right? If you actually think about it, we're trying to build video game engines on our phones um, and our computers, and that's not what these things are meant for, right? And so getting more data through the pipe is going to make things easier to build technology to do these things. So that's one. And that's, you know, not years away. That's, you know, it's being rolled out. It's coming. So I think that's just like a fundamental thing that kind of 
help the user experience along because there are there are technologies out there right now that are really freaking cool and really engaging and really awesome but they're like only available on a you know playstation you know or something like that and you're like ah this isn't going to work for me that's a video game so i think that's a big thing um i think that um some again with all that investment going in here we're going to get quicker iterations right now everyone just thought that the only way an event could work was you have a you know a big screen for the presenter and a bunch of people down at the bottom and then you know back to my point earlier about movement autonomy you know uh presence it's not there uh so i think you're going to see a lot of people start to try to cry and you are seeing a lot of people try to figure this out you're seeing people like how do i move my if if i am just a, a little video you know on the video screen just a little circle or a square how do i move and and that's complex and cool. So I think that's just more from like how software is going to start trying to address those issues that I was talking about. So that's not really a technical advancement. I just think it's a new user experience that hasn't come out yet because everybody just gravitated towards the only thing that we knew, which was putting video in front of people through Zoom. Um, so I think you'll see a lot of user experience innovation. Um, and then I think the, the it, it, mobile is going to have to be really, really, I think, you know, with everyone working remote and look, two of us here in our garages, you know, it's like you're, you're getting away from your family. If that, if that stays, if we don't go back to offices and we're not in front of desktops all day, right? If, if we are now just, we're always going to be hiding from the kids and, you know, taking meetings in weird places, it's going to force more and more and more of this technology to be mobile, mobile first and how it thinks about, you know, how they think about the user experience. I keep wondering if virtual reality devices are going to creep into the event space as well. Yeah, like glasses or, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, the, well, that's the other thing is you think about the hardware implications. Um, you know, you could do some awesome stuff if you send everybody an Xbox, right? Every one of your attendees gets an Xbox. You could do something really compelling and your sponsors would be over the moon and it'd be graphically cool, but that's not realistic. Um, same thing with, you know, these, you know, Google Glass and Snap Glasses and all these things. It, it may get there. It will get there. I don't know how far off that is, Wendy. You know, I really don't. Uh, oh, it's definitely not tomorrow, but. Yeah, and it's just cost prohibitive right now, especially for associations, I think. All right, very cool. Uh, anything else you want to share with our nonprofit listeners who are planning fall events right now? Uh, the only thing I say is I, I like to challenge people a little bit, not to like, because you're doing anything wrong, but I like to challenge people to uh, don't, don't give up because it's hard, because events are about inspiring humans. That's what they're about. And um, it's, it's not easy right now because we're, it's a brand new world. And that doesn't mean you should just give up and take the easy button is what I like to say. And, and, and I'm not going to pick any technology to kind of highlight that. I'm just saying, you know, when you're taking the easy button. Um, but your attendees know, and so do your sponsors. So if you're getting feedback on from attendees that say like, oh, it's not worth the ticket price, your sponsors are not worth it, that's a sign that you've taken a path of the easy button. That's kind of my advice. And, and I, I've talked to a lot of associations that say, Ryan, you don't understand. People don't have the money. People don't. I don't think that's the case. I think it's you haven't really worked hard enough to really make a compelling experience for folks of value. And so that would be my challenge to the association market more than advice. Um, happy to ideate with people if, if everyone, anyone wants to take me up on that. I do a lot of this, a lot. I talk to association leaders and event organizers that say, well, what do you mean by that, Ryan? How can I do this? I don't have this budget. Or, you don't have to buy my technology. I'm just happy to iterate and, and ideate with folks. So that would be the last thing I'd leave you with, Wendy. Great. Thank you very much, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So one of the fascinating things about events, you know, whether we're talking about fundraising events, 
trade shows, member events, uh, even concerts or sporting events, they probably aren't ever going to be the same. At least that's what I thought, Wendy. What was your take? Absolutely. Uh, events are not going to be the same again. And I, I think in a good way, but it's interesting to see that organizations are seeing higher engagement on some of their virtual events. And, you know, Ryan's comment that he hopes we see just as many in-person events, but even more virtual events going forward, I thought was interesting. I think that may be the case. We'll see smaller and maybe bigger virtual events along with the big conferences we're used to seeing as those start to come back. So I'm excited to see where this goes. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought an interesting thing that he had to say in there was sort of his entire take. Um, you know, he doesn't really say events, he says experiences. And I think there's a lot of ways that we can provide people with those experiences, especially as it feels like we're starting to see a little light at the end of the tunnel uh, on, a, on a very strange 16 months or so. I can't wait to go to my first in-person <laughs> Well, maybe it'll be a, a trade show and we'll have salsa there. There you go. Well, cool. Well, that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. If you'd like to learn more about Ryan Costello and our friends at Member Suites, check them out at membersuites.com. And as always, if you'd like to learn a little bit more about Salsa and how we're helping clients engage and change the world with smart engagement tools, visit us at salsalabs.com. We'll see you next time on Tips with Salsa.